This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Bear with me this morning. I have a little bit of a sinus issue. And I think it was yesterday. I'm going to blame it being on the field with the soldiers last night. Uh, yesterday, all day. Uh, some of you know, I've, um, the last two years, I've joined the Army as a National Guard chaplain. So we were out there last night, uh, yesterday all day, and came back home late. But I think there's some effects from being out on the field. So uh, some of you might like my new tone of voice, which is a little deeper, and that's okay. <laughs> some of you might think, uh, well, hopefully you'll be comfortable enough that we can just share the Word of God this morning. And God, it's been good. We've... Uh, We've been getting ready this morning to share the word, and especially yesterday, uh, one of the soldiers who claims, you know, as a chaplain, you go and your, your job is to talk to people and to be out with the troops, uh, and so in, in talking to one of the soldiers, uh, who's a supply soldier, he's, he was in the truck where the supplies were, and as we're talking, you know, trying to ask questions to get to know him, he, uh, he did say something, he said, I'm an open book. You know, I, I, I don't hide anything. And yet he was not really telling me much about his, what he was thinking about God. And we were trying to, you know, get into that topic and see what your, his relationship with God was. But I could see that he was avoiding going deeper, you know, in the deeper issues. But yeah, he claimed and he told me, hey, I have, not, I, I have nothing to hide. I'm an open book. I'm an open book. And to me, as... We think of Christians, you know this, that we are an open letter to the world, amen? And so it made me think that some of us think that we are this open letter and that we are very open and people could see us. And the truth is that some of us are not as open as we would like to be. Or the truth is that maybe the things that we communicate is not exactly what God wants to communicate to the world. I don't know if you thought about this, but have you ever wondered, uh, or have you ever heard that if people don't believe in God, you need to take them to the Scripture, and then they're going to believe in God. Have you heard that? Now, think about that. Because if they don't believe in God, why would they come to Scripture, right? But we argue, and we say, hey, oh, no, I don't believe in God. And, 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 and somebody said, somebody was trying to argue with a pastor and saying, uh, well, I just don't believe anything from the Bible. And he said, okay. The pastor said, well, what, what don't you believe? He said, oh, no, nothing, the whole thing. I just don't think it's true. Well, what particular part you don't believe is true? Well, I just, uh, none of it, because I, well, have you, what is the part that you know that, well, I never read it before, so, oh, that makes sense. So you, you don't believe something you never seen or never read, so that makes sense. That's why you don't believe. That's, that's okay. That's a good point of starting to talk to somebody that claims not to believe in God. But some of us will think that in order for us to get that person to believe in God, we need to take into the Scripture and... So if we take them to the Bible, then they're going to start believing in God. But you see how that sometimes backfires, and it's really, it's not, it doesn't really make sense to a lot of people. Why, why is that important? Well, because I believe, and, and let me say this, the Bible, um, and, and, and this is something that I shared with the soldier at, at the end before the conversation that we were having. I told him this, and then he's like, oh. He went, he started thinking deep. I said, listen, because we got to the point in the conversation where I'm asking him, well, do you read the Bible? He says, no, I don't, I, I don't read it as much as I should. He recognized that. 
And, and it was obvious, you know, his, his relationship with God wasn't as clear as he thought he w- it was. Um, and then I said to him, I said, listen, I believe the Bible is the word of God to his people, to the people that believe in God. Amen? You agree with that? But the church is the open letter to the world that do not believe in God. He thought on it for a minute. He said, huh, okay. All right, you got me. Yeah, yeah, I see it. He started thinking deep. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I said, yeah, because if you don't believe in God, you're not going to read the Bible. But the Bible is for those who believe in God. If you want to be better about loving God and knowing God, then you come to Scripture, amen? Because you believe in God. There has to be some faith for you to come to Scripture, amen? We agree with that? This is why some of us have a hard time getting into the Bible, right? I mean, let's be honest. Some of us want to say and want to think that we're really connected with God, but we don't really read the Bible. Well, that says a lot about where you walk with God is. Because in order for you to read more of the Bible and to get into it, then you need to have at least a starting point where you have faith that as you come to it, you're going to get to know God better. And um, why I want to share with you this morning, to be honest, it's just um, a lot of things have been changing today. Nothing has been what we planned today, so we're going to go with it. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, you remember, you don't need to look at it right now. You, you'll go, you go home and you dig into it because that's what you do, right? As soon as you leave this church, you go back home and you start digging right into Scripture because you're like, I got I to gotta, I gotta know this, right? That's, that's just who you are. You go back home and you go deep into the Scripture. And so you're going to go and read chapter 1 of Hebrews. And in, in chapter 1, Paul begins to say that God has always been speaking in many ways to the world. And the beautiful thing about Paul is that he recognizes that God has been speaking in many ways, including, he says, with the creation. So the first book or the first way that God communicates to the world, to the universe, is through his creation. Amen? You've heard someone, someone said that nature, it's God's, right? God's book. And, and it, it speaks to people. It speaks to creation about God. But then he says that in, in those days, God w- was speaking to the world in the, in the Son of Jesus Christ, in the Son, in His Son, in Jesus Christ. And so the fact of the matter is that in Hebrews it's clear that God is always speaking to the world. God is always communicating. He's always in a conversation with you, with me, with the world, with those who believe, with those who don't believe, and because God is always trying to get our attention, amen? So if we're not listening or hearing from God, it's not that God is not communicating to us, is that we somehow are not tuned in into the things that he's been trying to say and teach us. And Paul makes that clear in the book of Hebrews. And so in this way, so, so think about that because what I have said so far is that if that's true, then for those who believe in God, this is one of the major ways in which God speaks to his people. Amen? The Bible. Of course, how else, how else do you think God speaks to us? Any, any believer here that wants to share and say, well, God speaks to me in this way. Anybody? Dreams. Yeah, God through his spirit speaks to us through dreams. Amen. Nature. Yeah. The Bible says about nature. Through other people. Wonderful. Through other Christians. Have you ever heard somebody tell you something that you knew you right and you're like, yeah, well, that was God speaking through somebody. Right? How about prayer? Right? So God speaks to us through prayer and through the Bible we said and through other people and through dreams and through his spirit of course his holy spirit is always speaking to us and he convicts us amen of sin and of righteousness and he brings us he says he reveals to us what all truth 
So God communicating to us, and if we, if we say this, that we, if, if that God communicates to us through the Bible, to those who believe, and then we become an open letter to the world, and this is the main thing. So listen, don't you worry, and don't try, understand this, that it's not, the world is not supposed to be reading the Bible. You and I are supposed to be reading the Bible, Amen. But as we read the Bible, you and I are supposed to become this open letter. By the way, you know what an open letter is? All right, anybody? Any, for, for everyone. Today, like, have you ever read a letter to the editor, right? Just put it in the paper and anyone could read it. It's for everyone. Oh, today, very popular is when somebody has a blog, right? Everybody reads it. It's in the internet. Once you write it, everyone, anyone could read it. So it's for everyone, even those who just happened to go to it by coincidence, anyone could read it if it's there. And this is why you and I are supposed to be this open letter to God. And so with that in mind, I want you to turn to, I think it's the second letter to the Corinthians, and let's dig into the scripture. And this is where, where we'll direct our thoughts in the last few minutes here together. Paul says, and by the way, a lot of people had issues <laughs> with Paul's apostleship, his leadership style and his leadership. They even question if he's supposed to be leading in the church, right? I don't know if you ever heard anything like that, people questioning people in leadership in the church. Have you? Anyway. So Paul is being questioned, and he says, are we beginning to commend ourselves, verse 1, again? Or do we need us some letters of commendation to you or from you? You are, what does he say? Our letter written in your hearts. Know and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, amen, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tablets of human, what? Hearts. So listen, right there, Paul says, you, listen, we don't need any letters of recommendation. He says, our letter of recommendations is you, your lives, and he says that you are our letter written in our hearts, known and ready by all, by who? And read, I'm sorry, by how many? By all men. So the truth of the matter is, is that the church, because of this, and listen, this is why you'll find the people that profess to be atheists or people that get to that point, they start pointing to the church and say, well, I don't believe or I don't go to church anymore because this is what happened to me one time when I was part of a church. Right? And you see that people leave church because of what has happened in the church. And so the open letter to the world begins to have, and I don't know, but sometimes I feel that as a church, many times we are instead of bringing this positive outlook, positive effect on the gospel and bringing glory to God, we are hindering the work of God as an open letter. What we say, what we do, the way we treat each other, the way we communicate, the things that we speak about, the way the church behaves, it, become, it is still an open letter, but people are getting the wrong impression about God because of what the church is doing, because of what your life, what's going on in our lives. This is something that we forget, that the world is watching. One of the greatest atheists would say that the greatest argument against Christianity is what? Christians. Because... We are this open letter to the world, and the world is waiting to hear, and the world needs, let me tell you, if you look around, the world needs some hope, amen? I mean, how many of you have been following <laughs> the politics this day? If, I don't know about you, but 
I mean, even there's just no way. I try to avoid politics talks, you know, just you can't talk about, just say politics and religion, but I, I can't help but talk about religion. That's, that's what I do. So I try to avoid politics, which is the second topic. But, I mean, you can't avoid politics these days. The Republican debate. <laughs> what in the world were those guys talking about? I mean, Donald Trump and Mitt Romney now, right? And in the midst of all this confusion, in the midst of all this chaos, empty promises. Because we know that at the end of the day, it's going to be the way it is even now. By the time the next one ends the term, it's going to be even worse than what it was now. If the problems of the world will be solved by politics, I might get into it myself. But I know that the problems of the world, the only one who could solve our problems of the human existence is Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the only one. But the world is waiting for the open letter of the church, the church to be read and to point to the, to the world that there is hope. That in the middle of this chaos, all these crazy people, I mean, if we have, if the choices is Clinton versus Trump, the world needs, needs to read something different, needs some hope, needs to be, we, the church, needs to stop reacting to what's going on and we need to become the points, the ones who are leading the way for change, for something, for hope, for something different, for being real and being open and honest. We got to stop pretending that we don't have issues. <laughs> Amen. Because that's what turns people off. That we come to them and we all this high and mighty, oh no, you know, we go to church, so I got my life all together. So you live in a different planet, you can't help me because I got so many issues through the week that you guys, you got no idea what I'm going through. We're supposed to be this open letter pointing to hope and bringing hope to the people. And Paul says, you, I read, he said, and listen to this, and make no mistake, People that you don't think are watching you are watching you. Parents, we could tell the children the, the way they should be, but they're watching you how you are. And we have to tell them, do as I tell you. Don't do as I do. Because the reality is that they're watching everything that we do. Our co-workers. The people that criticize us for some of the beliefs, they're hoping that somewhere, somehow, you and I may take a stand. And the things that we say will actually be true because they need some hope, because they need something different. Because the world, I mean, obviously, it's not getting any better. Because their lives are not getting any better. Because you walk, uh, you, you, you walk and you work and you do life with people that are feel alone, that they're desperate. And you are that open letter. That they're supposed to be reading from God to them. And Paul said, you are an open letter. And so this morning, I ask you this morning, if we are an open letter, what is the world reading when they watch your life? You are a letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ Created by us, written not with aim, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Listen, there's hope. Don't get desperate. Hello. Because the one who is writing the letter is whom? He says the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So there's hope for you and me. Amen. Maybe you have not been sounding or read, being read the way you should, but the spirit is writing something with your life. 
Something marvelous, something wonderful, something that the world needs. But he's not done with you here, amen? Because it is the spirit that is thriving. It's not you, it's not me, it's not, it has nothing to do with your mistakes or your shortcomings. It's to do with your ability and your availability to God that he will be able to finally write those sentences, write those paragraphs, write those things in your life that need to be read in your human heart to others' human hearts that need to hear the hope of Christ in their lives. He says it, such confidence we have through Christ toward God, now that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from whom? From God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter by the Spirit, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Listen, it's not about your mistakes. It's not about the shortcomings. Because if we face it, if we compare ourselves to the letter, right, we cannot measure up. But Paul says that the Spirit is in the journey, in his work, working something that is going to make us adequate. Hello? So what I'm saying to you is that even today, even if today you feel, wow, I'm this open letter. People have been reading me and I know I have not been representing Christ in the right way. Well, I got to tell you today, the Lord is saying there's hope and he's not done and he's writing in your heart. And you will eventually have this spirit of God that will transform you and shape you and if you open yourself to God daily if you dig into the scriptures and you actually become to read read more the letter that was meant for you then you're able to be the letter that is meant for the world as you open yourself to the spirit of God guiding you shaping you molding you and I want to jump a couple of verses because I want to finish in something. So not only you are an open letter to God, but listen to this, and we're going to get into it. I want to jump on a few verses, and you could dig into the rest of the, of the chapter 3, but listen to this. Verse 12, therefore having such hope. Well, no, um, I guess I'm going to have to read it all. Verse 7, but if the mystery of death in letters and graves on stones came with glory. So listen to this. There's a comparison here between the letters written stone and there's a new covenant that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians right and you've heard about you've heard many people talk about the new covenant and you heard that many people quote this new covenant to kind of void the the, the power transformation of God or, or maybe to even uh nullifying the the ten commandments but that's not what Paul is talking about he's saying this is what he's talking about he says in the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face. Fading as he was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, and he's talking about that if you stay at the law only, all you see is condemnation because you see if you just face the law with your life, you know that you're going to come short, right? So all all, if you stay just with the law, all you experience is condemnation in your life, right? Because none of us, none of your lives, by the way, and I hope you know this, none of our lives measure up to the, to the Ten Commandments, amen, to the law of God. So Paul says this, that 
we, he says, uh, verse, um, what was I? Eight. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory much more, does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory? For indeed, what had, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory much more, that which remains is in glory. <laughs> really? Are you there? Are you, are you following him? Because I'm a little confused already. He's like, I know it's glorious. <laughs> I know he's talking about glory, but here it's, he gets complicated here. But then he says, therefore, verse 12, therefore, of course, because we're so clear now, therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. So listen, I don't know if you notice this, but one thing that happens here, and maybe I point this out to you, is remember when Moses went up to the mountain, right? He came down. Um, it says that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as he was. How would the minister, the spirit, felt to be even more with glory? And I'm trying, I'm trying to remember which is the version, but um, in one of the versions I was reading this passage a few days ago, but actually, it actually hints at the fact that Moses was covering his face not only because People couldn't see or couldn't look straight at his face. But check this out. The reality is that Moses' glory was fading, right? So imagine this. Moses goes up to the mountain, and he comes down. The first moment he comes down, he's all glowing, and he's, you know, the presence of God is there, right? You notice that. But as the days went by, the glory began to fade. And do you know that the hint of this passage is that this is one of the reasons why Moses covered his face too. He didn't want to see the glory diminish day by day. Not only that they couldn't take it at first, but it was sad to realize, and it was a fact that it was diminishing, that the glory was not going to last for a long time. It was a temporary glory. As a matter of fact, here it says that what? That it was fading away, right? Verses, uh, verse 7. Intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as he was. And so if we claim that this is, it was glorious and it was just imagined to be there, right? What we would be to see Moses coming down from the mountain and seeing this glory. That would have been a, a, a tremendous uh, experience. But Paul is claiming here that the new glory of God with this new covenant that he's working on, with this spirit of God working in our hearts, He's saying that the glory in this covenant is supposed to be greater than that glory that Moses experienced just for a moment. Because he says, for if, verse 11, for if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, have, so Paul is saying that now this glory that we're going to see, once the new covenant takes place, listen to this, the glory is not a glory that fades away. It's a glory that will remain forever. Are you following me? In other words, the glory of the new covenant of God, of God riding in your heart, in your life, transforming your life, is supposed to be a glory that is much more greater and that will not fade away as Moses' glory was fading away. Check this out. 
He says, verse 12, therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to prevail. Listen to this. Okay, remember what I just said? This is where he was. And uh, uh, therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. You see that? It's saying that Paul actually covered his face because he didn't want the people to see how the glory was fading away. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, listen to this, and this is where I want to finish. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over the heart. But whenever a person, listen to this, turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as it as, and as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I, I, I think you're missing it. This is what he's saying, that you and I, the glory that must be revealed in our lives is greater than the glory that Moses experienced coming down from the mountain. And that the work of God in your life is not going to diminish. Actually, it's supposed to go from glory to glory and becoming brighter and brighter. So your life, this is why you are supposed to be an open letter to the world. Because God's glory is going to be shown and revealed to the world even in greater heights. So what happened? to our lives when we don't experience this well what we see is the more we spend time in church is the more uh you know contentious we become the more uh you know hard people to deal with we become what happened to the glory of god what is happening to god's glory in your life is it being revealed as it's supposed to be hello i so much that god wants to do with his church and here we are some of you are even just kind of taking a little nap while I'm here. That's okay. <laughs> I guess you were tired. You work hard, I know. Listen, just this, this week, and I, I, I got to tell you, um, was it Jesse? Was it Sunday? I got to tell you this. Marcia called me. She, didn't, she went to Jamaica, but she wanted me to tell you the story. I said, let me see. Let's see where the Lord leads. <laughs> Last Sunday, we went out to do the feeding of, of the homeless in downtown Orlando. How many of you know that Marcia and Straight Street, we connected and we go out, okay? Let me see your hands. Who knows that Marcia is leading our group? Let me see your hands, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, so you know. Some people know. Um, so it's not for the lack of knowledge that nobody shows up there from our church. It's just, uh, it's just you know. And some of you are working for behind the scenes. I know. I know that. Some of you are cooking and getting the stuff ready. And uh, as a matter of fact, Marcia... Asked me to bring it to the board, which we're going to have to talk, try to figure out a way how to make the, our kitchen actually uh, legal to cook. Because <laughs> right now it's illegal for us to cook in that, like a full meal. Because we don't have a ventilation system in there. Not a proper ventilation or fan, whatever exhaust system. So if you know anything about that, uh, talk to us. We might need some help to make that happen. But anyway, so on Sunday, Marcia is getting ready. Um, we had the, um, the, three, the 5K at the kids' school in the morning, and we know we needed to go in the afternoon with Marcia. I have made plans to be there. When we got there, Jesse was there, right? Jesse, you were there, and who else uh, was there? Well, 
It was Marcia's kids, so four or five of us, and then the other, other group, uh, there were some other volunteers that, that joined us. Of course, this is straight stream ministry, but the funny thing happened, a funny thing happened. We got there. I, I, I got there first. Marcia said it was 5.30 or something. I showed up at 5.30, which is kind of strange for me to be punctual, but I'm, I think the military is rubbing off on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They say the military, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're 15 minutes late, and I'm still... Pray for me, because this summer I'm going to uh, May 22nd. I'm, I'm supposed to be in South Carolina, Jackson, Fort Jackson, to train for three months with the military. So pray for me. This is what's called officer's camp, uh, boot camp. Uh, it's called Shibalik, Chaplain Officer Training, Leadership Training Course, which is a three-month thing. Uh, and pray for my wife, too. She needs the prayers. She will be left behind with the kids. And, um, but anyway, so, so we... Um, Got there, and I, I noticed that the parking lot of the church that we do, we do it in one of the a Greek Orthodox church, I think, in that town. By Wall Street, is it? Is that the name of it, Jesse? No, but the street uh, that where we, the parking lot, Wall Street, right? Wall Street is right, right in the parking lot on Wall Street. So we're there, and I, I, I see, I'm like, why is the parking lot full? It's full of cars. I'm like, there's no place. How are you going to set up the tables and and the people come. There's usually 150 people sometimes that show up, even more. And they, put the, they take out the benches and set them up and the tables and all that. So I called Marcia. I said, Marcia, there's, there's cars. It's full of cars. They're not planning for you to be here today. And sure enough, they, somebody had failed to tell Marcia as she cooked through the whole day food for about 100 people uh, with the people that were helping her, the crew that always helped her. She has a crew that she could depend on. We were cooking uh, rice and and, and and chicken, Jamaican style, I was told. <laughs> and just good stuff. They were ready. They were ready to, to feed him. But somebody didn't tell her. So when we got there, I'm, I'm saying, Marcia, you got all this food, but I don't think these guys are planning for you to be here. And sure enough, nobody has planned. Oh, they forgot. So she calls the person in charge and says, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> we, uh, the church, they're doing a, a food and wine festival. Interesting. You know, in that town, there's a lot of people that can't eat, but the, the whole town was having a food and wine festival, and, and they took the parking where we feed the homeless, because there was no room for the homeless, while the church, um, while, while the, the town was celebrating food and wine. So we, we, we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? And so, of course, we start kind of praying as we go and try to figure out what to do. Long story short, um, one of the volunteers and some of the homeless even came in and they like realized, yeah, this is going to be a hard time for us to eat here. It's probably not going to be. And the, the church was not planning for us to be there, so we didn't want to impose. Uh, we didn't want to get in trouble that way either. And so people said, well, you, you could do it in the street here, the sidewalk, but you can't feed. I don't know if you know this. Downtown Orlando, you can't uh, feed the homeless in public places because you go to jail. So... Um, Somebody said, somebody said, uh, one of the homeless, oh, well, you could, let's call the Coalition for the Homeless, which was about a mile away, and see what Marcia was thinking. We'd take the food there and just leave it there, and they'll give it to them. Well, as she makes the call, they told her, the Coalition for the Homeless, which was a mile away, a mile and a half away from where we were, kind of to the west side of town. It, it was passing I-4 and into, into the other area of town there. Um, they told her, yeah, you can come and feed, feed them here on, on, on the sidewalk. And that was okay because they were given the permission. And so we started making plans. Okay, let's do that. And so um, uh, we found, I found the nearest uh, Publix and went to get some paper plates, enough, and, 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 and forks and things. Uh, no time for drinks, just, just the bare minimum because that's all we had. And so, um, and so Marcia made her way there. But this is what happened, that 
this is the beautiful part too. Well, more than anything, I mean, every, everything else that went on was just great that day because you could see how God was working the details so that we'd be able to do the feeding on that evening with the plans that the group had and the people needed to be fed. And they, uh, and they wanted that. And so um, if Marcia would have gone straight there, uh, it probably would have taken five minutes for her to get there. And the people would have probably taken another 15, 20 minutes more to get there. So lo and behold, I think there's a radio, a, a track, uh, a railroad track sign that just came down. So Marcia stopped there and she had to wait. She couldn't just go straight. And Marcia and the group is waiting for the train to come. And what's the train coming? Well, the train didn't come, but she was stopped there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> She was supposed to because that gave time to the people to make it over the other side. And when she got there, at that time too, I have gone, when I went to the Publix, there's no parking spaces around there. My parents were with me, so I left them double parked on the street and went into Publix and, and, and get the stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, so at the timing was such that we were able to, when everybody was supposed to convene or was able to convene back to that place, everybody was coming in. And we started with a smaller group, and little by little, I was there for, for, for most of the time, but uh, at the end, I was told that the, all the food was given to them, and a lot of people came through, and they had nothing left when, they came, when the night was over. And this is what, this is what, what I'm talking about, that, and, 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 and some of the people, uh, there, was a, there was one of the homeless guys there that he told me a little bit of his story, and of course, they... Um, they're much appreciative, appreciative of what you've done, you know, with the church and, and how the church is reaching out to them. But they were saying how uh, it was such a special gift to them to see the church being involved in trying to give them at least, you know, we're not fixing the problems for sure. Some of them have got deep issues that they're struggling with. Um, while I was there, somebody approached me and, and asked me for $9 to um, for, for spending the night in the Salvation Army because, you know, he had this story. And sometimes you don't know how much of the story is true, but I actually didn't have $10, so I talked to my dad, and I asked him, let me borrow some money. And he was gracious, and he did. And so, but little things like that, and, and they were appreciative of what the church was doing, and the church was saying something to them from God. Amen? See, and, and this is the kinds of things that God wants to do and through the church because what we do and what God is doing in our lives is supposed to be forming His glory will be shown and revealed day by day, even more glorious than what Moses experienced. And get this, Moses' glory was fading away. The Spirit's glory in your life and my life is supposed to shine brighter every day. Amen? And that is the new covenant. That is the difference. That is the hope that you and I have to look for. This is why, this is what's hope. Hey, if you don't think you're there, if you don't think that letter, if you don't think that you reached that state of being, that open letter that's glorifying God, well, listen, there's hope for us, amen? Because the glory is just about to increase in your life, in my life, 